This week, Instagram announces its plan to test in-app shopping with select brands. Burger King continues to burn the competition and Apple goes all in on subscription services. You're listening to The A-Game. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a special edition of The A-Game. Unfortunately, two of our good friends, Joel and Jeff, are not with us this week. But the good news is we've got rising star Hope Ho back in the house. I'm back. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. And and for all of you that are nostalgic for the old times, we still got Morgan Rooks in the house. Morgan. But not the old, old times. Not the old, old times. The new old times. Just, just the new old times. The one that's, you know, responsible for all of the, the drive and listenership. Exactly. <laughs> like Greece too, it might be better. And all the social engagement as well. I mean, we're getting to a point now where Morgan's actually getting text messages um, talking about the show on her phone with regularity. Meanwhile, I can't get my own wife to listen. So maybe that says more about me. I maybe need to get out a little bit more or maybe do a little bit more marketing um, around the show. But all is well. Um, you know, Morgan from the beginning was the voice leading into the show. We've, we've pulled some levers and um, we're, we're going a little bit more freestyle nowadays. But obviously now she's on the show. But frankly, back in the old days before Morgan's time, the show wasn't quite as good as it is now because we we're just talking about it. it gets better every week. You're welcome out there, people. So there's a lot to get to this week, um, and I think the best way to do it is just to jump right in. Um, but before, I guess, I get the one question I would pose to the group as of right now, as we sit here on Thursday, the first day of the NCAA tournament, and we know that our friend Joel is out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Morgan. What up, Joel? How many Mike Mike's Hard Lemonades do you think Joel has already had today? <laughs> um, I'm going to say none because I feel like he's a twisted tea kind of a guy. Oh, <laughs> hot take. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hope, do you think there's any truth to the rumor that Jeff's got a sick child at home, given the fact that the NCAA tournament's on? <laughs> I think that it's very convenient. It is convenient, isn't it? He is a consummate pro, so I'd, I would be shocked to find out that he's actually just watching basketball. But let's jump into the headlines this week. So we talked a little bit about it on the intro. Instagram announces that users of the photo sharing app will, for the first time, be able to start making purchases of some products directly within the app. Morgan, how is this different than shoppable ads, which have been around for a few years? Yeah, so shoppable ads have been around a while, and um, Instagram tells us that, uh, what was the number, 130 million people tap on on shoppable ads. But the experience was really wonky. So you would click on the product that you want, it would redirect you to the brand's website within the Instagram app, and it would just be a super, super clunky experience. So with the way that these shoppable ads are working now, you're basically transacting within Instagram without going to the website of the vendor that you're purchasing from. Makes it a very smooth experience. You're uploading your credit card information and your address into Instagram and you can just basically click and go. Plus, this is not happening within ads. So there's 20 partners that they're gonna be launching with. Some of which, I mean, they're, they're very much consumer brands for the most part. Kylie Cosmetics, Nike, we're talking about Warby Parker, a lot of very recognizable brands. 
brands that have big enough followings that they don't need to rely on an ad in order to get people to tap in and, and shop through it. And really what they're doing is, is facilitating. So it's not necessarily Instagram taking on the infrastructure of, you know, facil- doing all the, the transactions. They're using PayPal as a pass along and they're just kind of transferring from point A to point B. Um, so really what it's doing is it's taking away that tap to the website and then removing friction from the process. But at the same time, some brands might have a hard time with this. A lot of brands are kind of tethered to their own web um, e-commerce platforms. Uh, Hope, when you think about what Instagram's doing right now from a data standpoint, what's the benefit for them outside of just like making a, a friction-free experience for consumers? I think that um, from a data standpoint, you get a lot more activity within Instagram instead of that drop off after they go to a different location. By location, I mean website. But all of the transactable data is still housed in Instagram and the time on site is still on Instagram. Seems like everybody's looking to increase the amount of time spent. You know, so um, when we talk about social platforms, they also talk in terms of currency of daily active users. But when you're in a platform that you're coming to multiple times per day and there's more reason to stay within that platform as opposed to tapping and leaving, um, it becomes a lot more advantageous for advertisers, at least from a marketing standpoint overall. Uh, What's kind of interesting about this story when you dig a little bit deeper in is uh, kind of like the implications with other e-commerce platforms like Amazon at the surface level, Morgan, it doesn't seem like, you know, Amazon should be shaking in their boots. But at the same time, this is really serving a different purpose within the consumer journey. Um, any thoughts on, on how Amazon's probably taking the news on something like this right now? You think they're taking it lightly or do you think they're kind of scratching their heads and, and wondering what's, what's about to happen? I think they're probably paying attention. I think you're right and that this is a different consumer journey. And one thing I feel like we're going to hear more about in 2019 and beyond is this concept of, of FOMO marketing, which I think Instagram really is tapping into. It's no longer the traditional um, consumer funnel of you know research and intent and then conversion. We're looking at Instagram as a platform where people are looking at influencers and going, yes, I want that. I want it now. Or looking at a brand saying, yes, I want it now and transacting right away. And that's a completely different experience than what maybe happens on Amazon. Amazon takes a lot more research. People are, have much more intent. Um, and while sometimes products do show up in you know, Amazon-sponsored ads, it's, I think it's a different way of shopping. So while I think Amazon should be concerned and perhaps develop something a little similar, I don't think Instagram is a, a full-on competitor. I think it's a different type of experience and a different type of consumer, or at least a very different type of consumer behavior. So Amazon is not quaking in their private label Amazon boots. I mean, I don't think I don't think many things make Amazon <laughs> quake in their boots. To Maybe be honest, maybe tasteful nudes, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon. Never too soon for tasteful nudes. <laughs> I had to bring that in since Jeff isn't here. <laughs> Well, I'm going to I'm going to go on record and say I think quietly in small circles within Amazon they are worried about this and the reason I think that they're worried about this is the fact that 
Instagram is coming into e-commerce from a different entry point. So when we talk about Amazon, um, 74% of online shoppers in the U.S. go straight to Amazon when they're ready to buy a specific product. So they're arriving with intent in mind. And then we also have seen plenty of stats with regard to consumer journey also potentially starts at Amazon. Um, actually, I'm going to backtrack on that. It's not the starting point of the consumer journey. The consumer journey starting point is really awareness. And I think that's really where Instagram can do something very different for brands than Amazon because people actually go to Instagram for inspiration and people have a hard time going to Amazon and being like, oh, I want to go window shopping, right? Some might say that Instagram is becoming the modern day shopping mall. <laughs> What's a shopping mall? Exactly. <laughs> but think about it. You know, your, your mom drops you off with your friends at the mall. You got 20 bucks burning a hole in your pocket. You know, you might get a pretzel, but there might be something that you're willing to purchase. But you're going there with the intent of I'm open to an experience and I might just make an impulse purchase. And that's really the bedrock of the shopping mall experience from way back when. There's still a few relics of the past hanging out there. But all of a sudden, you're in a situation where the impulse strikes you. You see something that you like, and you're one tap away from having a flawless purchase um, from point A to point B. And that's not really something that Amazon can do. Um, and I know that we're way early in the process here. We're talking about 20 different brands um, and we're talking about rolling out a test, and we haven't even attached any ads to any of this stuff yet. But for all intents and purposes, this looks like a really interesting entry point, and it makes you wonder because Amazon has historically been really second tier when it comes to UX from like a, an aesthetic standpoint, at least. You think about, um, we were talking about this earlier, Amazon Music. We're talking about Amazon Prime Video really poor user experience. I think there's something to be said for having a sleek, easy, intuitive navigation. And it's just not set up that way. It's not even necessarily about like the navigation. I think that Instagram feeds are personally curated to your interests. And that has a lot of clout as well. Amazon is the Amazon website is built for everybody, so it serves a lot of different needs. Whereas Instagram, you follow like all the brands and all the people that you want to see. And so being able to draw inspiration from that or be, being able to get like a cool pair of shoes that one of your friends is wearing or like uh, your favorite celebrities are wearing, I think that's super powerful. And going off of that, one of the brands that are partnered with Amazon, or not Amazon, Instagram for this whole entire shopping experience is Outdoor Voices, which is a brand that really lifted off from Instagram. And there's a lot of similar Instagram brands that kind of gain all of their following from Instagram and then build from there. They don't necessarily have even like brick and mortar shops. They didn't have maybe even production before they built this following from the ground up. So really popular brands such as like Anastasia Beverly Hills is a huge makeup brand now, but they got their start off of Am or 
oh my gosh, I keep doing that. <laughs> they got their start off of Instagram. And so that will give more power to smaller boutique brands that started from social media. And oh, I think like that's Kylie so Cosmetics? It's similar. Jeff is literally in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's such a cool platform. Can we hop back to the data piece really quick? Um, so first of all, I will consider Instagram a shopping mall when it can get me an Auntie Anne's pretzel within a half hour. Um, <laughs> but I really thought that now that I think about the data piece, I think it's really interesting because if you look at the way you buy Instagram, it's through Facebook. Mm-hmm. You go into Facebook's ad manager and they do have a bit of a data problem since they stripped third-party data service from the service services from the platform. They are really stripped down as far as what they have available. So now having these shopping ads, having the shopping data available on Instagram is a really good way to start bulking up their first-party data Mm -hmm. and make that available to advertisers. Who would have thought that Mark Zuckerberg is in it for the data? (laughs) God knows what he's going to do with it. Somebody call Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Keeping with the subject of apps, Burger King's back in the news. And they're back in for a couple of reasons. And we've talked about Burger King quite a bit on this show, mostly because Joel Hammond <laughs> used to work at Burger King and he's a Shout huge out. fan of Burger King. <laughs> and his, his, <laughs> his only regret is that they don't still sell the Hershey pie, which he probably is thinking about in the back of his mind as we speak. Or the front. As he quietly sips his twisted tea and watches basketball. <laughs> um, But Burger King, you know, at first blush, it seemed as though this brand was just another fast food troll. We talked about them with IHOP. We talked about them with McDonald's. But now I'm starting to believe that Burger King is just smarter than everybody else. And here's why, right? They have really gone in deep with app purchases and at first pass, when we looked at the geolocation stunt that they did with uh, the Whopper in, in McDonald's, it seemed like, oh, this is just throwing shade. Well, on their last earnings call, they actually confirmed that they generated over 1.5 million app downloads. So they're going all in with apps. And I'm not talking about appetizers. I'm thinking about appetizers, but I'm not talking about them. Um, they're not only doing that in the U.S., they're doing that uh, overseas as well. I guess, is that technically overseas if we're talking about? Um, Just say internationally. Internationally, yeah, yeah, I know. I thought, I was like, wait a minute, that's not really overseas. Anyway, I should probably explain what I'm talking about. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Burger King has developed an app function um, that is giving consumers the ability to literally burn ads of their rivals using augmented reality. And this is in Brazil, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Not overseas. It's international. Thank you, Morgan, the, the traveler. Um, so people can actually find ads out in the wild of McDonald's and whatever is considered competition within the region. And through AR, they can zero in and light the ad on fire. And then when the, the fire burns out, they reveal a, um, a Whopper, like a free Whopper. So all of a sudden, they're not only leveraging advertising that other people are doing for their own brands that are direct competitors 
they're turning those into an immersive interactive experience that actually becomes a Burger King ad. So McDonald's spends all this money on outdoor advertising, Hope, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they've developed this app that allows it to become a Burger King ad. Is this brilliant? Or is am I, am I overthinking this? No, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, to backtrack, the fire thing is funny because they're famous for their flame grilled meat. Um, but flame, flame broiled. broiled, flame broiled. Have broiled. it your way. I'm <laughs> um, Some of us grew up in the eighties. <laughs> I have not Spoiler actually alert. ever had Burger King until maybe a month ago, and oh. unfortunately, I was. Um, Were you at a rest stop? Yes, I was. Ah, that's that's <laughs> what it happened. My boyfriend was getting his car towed. <laughs> oh. So anyways, um, that's a story for another time. But I think that this is so smart. Um, when they did their whole entire Whopper detour thing with McDonald's, as Jim said, they had 1.5 million mobile app downloads. But more than that, they were like number one trending in the app store for several days. And it was the most downloaded QSR app in the United States among direct competitors. And so I think that this just goes further into the app space. And if somebody orders once from Burger King and it was a good experience, then I think that it's pretty easy to say that they will try it again. Do people really want to order fast food from an app, Morgan? This is this is me being like a get off my lawn old man uh i do here, all the time if i can order yes if i can order it and then go pick it up instead of standing in line i do i mean yeah to answer that question this actually really reminds me of a previous episode of the a game where we talked about the Domino's app oh, where yeah. you know Domino's that. was having was the promotion where you could take a picture of any pizza mm -hmm. and you would start to rack up points towards a free Domino's pizza so this reminds me of that a lot yeah. and i think what you're seeing here is that um, something that we've seen our clients struggle with as well is that you create an app and you get people to download an app, but how do you get people to constantly re-engage with your app? There has to be a benefit for them. You know, I, I use the Chipotle app a lot because for me the benefit is that I don't have to stand in a 15-minute line. I can order my Chipotle, I can walk in the door and pick it up and go. You know, Burger Kings and, and the, the Domino's of the world, like, you, there's no line. You don't, I mean, there may be a line, but there probably isn't. So there has to be some better incentive than just, you know, ease and convenience of uh, how you can get your food. So I think these are some really brilliant ways of, um, of of having people utilize your app. And again, it's, you know, it's all about collecting data. Data is king. Everybody wants their first party data. It's the most valuable thing that you can have as a company. So, yeah. Got to get your chocolate pie somehow. Got to get your chocolate pie. Yes. You know, and I saw, I was reading Mobile Marketer and they were really saying that Burger King kind of missed the mark here because... Oh, this is actually on the – oh, it's the next thing we're talking about. But they were talking about how Burger King should include delivery with the app. And I was like, you know, like I don't think that's necessarily a thing that you need to do because what you want to do is get people in the door and, and get those incremental add-ons that people – you know, people probably aren't going to buy the Hershey pie until they're standing there and that Hershey pie is in the case in front of them. And they're like, ooh, I really want that Hershey pie. <laughs> you know, part, me, part of the shame of uh, eating – Burger King is going is actually getting into your car and actually going there and then driving home with it. You know, it's like the precursor to the post eating Burger King shame. Well, yes, because then there's the shame when you get in your car again the next day and it oh, yeah. still smells like yeah. fast food.
You find a French fry on the ground. You're like, ugh, what was I thinking? So we're talking about this going down in, in Brazil, and they got this cool app, and it's fun and interactive, and they're incentivizing people to not only have Whoppers, but to download the app. Now we're, we're catching wind that they're about to launch a subscription service for coffee here in the United States, and they're going to be zeroing in on Starbucks. So for $5 for a monthly subscription, you basically can drink all the coffee that you want from Burger King. Once again, another uh, piece to the app puzzle that they're trying to develop here. Has anybody ever had coffee from Burger King? I was I was really going like, to – I, I want to throw this question out to the masses. Yeah. If you have – or if you regularly drink Burger King coffee, please tweet us at the A Game Podcast because I have some questions. Yeah, yeah. we <laughs> we might actually put you on the B sides. <laughs> Compare it to another type of coffee in your answer so that we can get a frame of reference. Well, I mean, like, the weird thing is, so uh, McDonald's has the McCafe, and they have actively promoted McCafe over the years. And I regularly drive past McDonald's on my way into work, and I will tell you, the line is insane. And I know a lot of people that do go to McDonald's just to get coffee. Really? But I've never heard of anyone going to Burger King to get coffee. Well, McDonald's is only 99 cents. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the cups personally. I I feel like there's a level of guilt that's coming out over there. Oh, no, not coffee. There's no coffee guilt. There's no coffee guilt. There's only guilt when you're, you're like eating a Whopper and then you also eat onion rings. And then you also drink like a really large Coke, (laughs) you know, and and you do it all in your car by yourself. Did this happen after the Christmas party? (laughs) This actually (laughs) happened after the Christmas party. (laughs) Yeah, it it actually did happen. And and there was real shame involved. (laughs) Back in the day after Christmas parties, I would just get really drunk and feel ashamed the next day. But no, now I'm sober enough to know better and I'm eating Burger King in my car. (laughs) Different ashamed. So that's what growing up is, kids. You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> but um, on, the, on the topic of subscription services, we're on the cusp of a major announcement by Apple, oh, uh, yes. the worst kept secret in the world. On Monday, they're going to be talking about two new subscription services. So they've already got Apple Music. Now they're going to be talking about the, the TV streaming product, whatever they're formally going to call it, um, well, Apple TV, whatever. And then they're also um, releasing a new news product where they're uh, presenting themselves as being the new Netflix of news or whatever that means. Um, Morgan, they're already charging people $10 a month or upwards of $15 for a family plan for, for audio. Are people really going to buy more subscriptions from Apple? Are they just late to the party or are they just way ahead of everybody else? You're, you're probably asking the wrong person because I – I have an Apple Music subscription and I have an Apple TV and I actually am really looking forward to the point where I can aggregate my subscription services through one billing platform. I mean, for me, that that's already you – know, I'm already using Apple TV. I subscribe to Hulu. I subscribe to – actually subscribe to HBO Go through iTunes. So that actually already comes through my Apple TV. So for me as an Apple TV consumer, that's that's a great thing. Um, now, Netflix has already said that they will not be a part of this Apple TV product. Um, so that's a bit of a bummer. But I do look forward to having one bill for my Apple TV and my Apple Music, sort of similar to how Hulu and Spotify 
um, have joint uh, billing for some people, not all people. I'm looking at you, Hulu. No, I definitely agree with that. I think that um, the seamlessness of all Apple services and platforms is like no other. I think that the integration is fantastic, and mm-hmm. that would be a reason to get something like that. If you have like a Roku, if you have some other device that it probably doesn't really work for you, but for the people that do own Apple TVs, or I think Samsung said that it's going to come pre-installed in their TVs going forward, um, I think it's, I think it is a really interesting service, and I think people will subscribe to it just again for that ease of. I can just do everything through one platform. I can have one bill that comes the same, like one time every month, and I don't have to worry about this bill and that bill and canceling this and canceling that. Like you can all, you can do it all in one place. Maybe they'll bundle it for you. I hope so. <laughs> I, re- I mean, I'm sure they will, um, because I think I am their target customer, and I, I think it would be silly for them not to to bundle TV and music. So. so, so here's a here's a question for the field. Do you think the fact that Apple is hard charging towards these subscription services is a way for them to de-risk their business that's tethered so closely to device manufacturing? Yes. I mean, yeah. think about it. I, I mean, mean, they're yes. they're in trouble. Yes. They're in trouble. They've yeah. gotten to a point where there's only so many devices that they're going to be able to sell. Um, the advancements in technology have slowed down, at least from an optics standpoint, the difference between, you know, the latest iPhone and the prior iPhone is becoming less and less apparent to people. So people are keeping their phones for longer periods of time. And then all of a sudden, we're in a situation where some of the revenue starts to take a hit. Uh, Plus, there's a lot of cost associated with it. Hope, you actually shared an article with me um, that got into, you know, it's a little bit of a polarized view, but it's a really interesting view looking at um, how subscription services is actually the future for, frankly, just about any business yeah, overall. Mm-hmm. And they talked about um, the switch over from an old school way of doing things into a subscription as swallowing the fish. Mm-hmm. Can you give a little bit of an example of, of what that actually means and how that might be able to apply to Apple? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, the fish comes into play when you graph kind of the impact of transitioning to, I guess, a consumption pricing model. So when you start with the cost and the revenue of just a basic production-based company, you have revenue hopefully on top and then cost hopefully a little bit below that. And then as you switch to consumption pricing or like a subscription-based model, um, the cost will continually go up an arc as uh, revenue kind of dips in a U-shape, but then eventually they'll meet on the other side, which is the end goal, and then the revenue and the cost kind of equalize and it creates a fish shape. After you reach that end state, the revenue will continually increase and then the cost will continually decrease as you get more people on your subscription platform um, and you can start investing in new capabilities. Um, this was from Stanford Business. Uh, they published this article and the people who kind of came up with this are Thomas Law and J.B. Wood. And the term swallowing the fish 
kind of comes into play because you the businesses just have to bite the bullet, swallow the fish, and do it in order to start increasing their revenue streams. Um, because yeah, as Jim said, like a production based model isn't really in it's it's not as profitable anymore, especially for really big fish like Apple. Um, they've come to a point where yeah, the iPhones are continuously getting better. The Macs are like built to last, and all of these products are kind of reaching a point of saturation where so many people have them, and the people who already would have switched over might have them. Um, and there's so many players in the market that the only thing that they can do is switch to a subscription-based model where people are paying for their services rather than their products. And if anyone else was slightly lost trying to follow the fish Sorry. example, we will post that article <laughs> yeah. on our Twitter at the A Game Podcast. Just, just think of like, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, a Jesus fish, like the <laughs> Christian yes, symbol. Jesus, Jesus fish is okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh um, I don't know. You guys are talking about tasteful nudes, but I don't know if like religion <laughs> is a line that can't be crossed. Um, but it's like the little arc of the fish fish that yeah, every, yeah. everybody knows just it, think right? of the jesus fish on the yeah. back of the chevy exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one think think of the arc that's going upwards mm-hmm. as we've got increased cost as we start shifting our business model yeah and think of the arc on the bottom end as we're not realizing the instant profits that we've historically had mm-hmm. um, by focusing on producing something that somebody's buying right now yeah. So over time, as that shift happens, you're going to get to a point where your costs are really high mm-hmm. and your revenue, revenues are low, but it's going to hit a point at which it becomes super profitable on yeah. the back end. Now, the thing that Apple's got going for us, uh, for us as if I'm part of the team, over, <laughs> I don't even have You related to Tim Apple? Tim Apple in the house. Um <laughs> Jim Apple. <laughs> and I and I joke around and I'm like, hey, uh, who's going to buy more of these subscriptions from Apple? But Morgan. Me. <laughs> look at Apple Music. They were up over 50 million active users within a what, two or three year period. It took Spotify 10 years to get there. They've got an avid active base of consumers that frankly shame people like me that have Android devices. And luckily, I'm really strong-willed and confident in myself that I can walk around, I can sashay around the office with my (laughs) Android device, and I'll flaunt it, and I make it work because that's just how I operate. I'm not a sheep. But, you know, people are ready to do it. They're ready to get after it. And, you know, and this also opens up opportunities for Apple to potentially bundle. You're talking about potentially doing some partnerships with Samsung. Samsung's got like, what, 45, 50% of the TV market already. People prefer that because it's got the look and the feel. It's sleek. It's designed well. And I think they're moving their business model towards a better design that is in alignment with some of the products that they produce. And I applaud them for it. So I think what they're doing is smart. I think people will continue to buy subscription services because, frankly, I I brought this up on the program before. I don't even know how many subscription services I'm signed up for right now. 
Yeah. I'm sure if I made a list, I would be appalled. I was trying to think about that as well. I still I still don't remember the name of that advertiser either that's supposed to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Instagram, if you're listening, because I know you are, please show me that ad again so I can remember. Oh, my. Well, we will we will be waiting with bated breath next week as as Apple makes their announcement and we figure out just how soon Morgan jumps into the uh, the new product offerings. Yes. But aren't you worried about the content that they're offering? Like the Apple content? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. is that like not even a concern? You just want it because it's Apple? <laughs> no, no. It's, and I'm definitely not a I, I want it because it's Apple. I'm really looking at it as the ease of transactions where if – you know, right now the Apple TV app exists and you can kind of browse like the Hulus and the other platforms through it. But then you you jump out of that and you go into another mm-hmm. app. So that's a bit of a uh, – it's, it's not great user experience. It's not terrible. Uh, just having that more streamlined user experience and, again, just having that ability hopefully to just be able to have everything build through one channel mm-hmm. is just really appealing to me. Um, again, like Jim mentioned, you have all these subscriptions and you, you start to lose track of them. When you can bundle them under one umbrella, you have much more visibility into what you're paying and to how many subscriptions you actually have. Yeah. Um, and if you're trying to be a little bit more financially conscious, like that's you know that's a benefit because it's really easy to subscribe to the the Netflix and the Hulu and the HBO Go's and the Aptives and the like every single app on my phone and you know and suddenly you're paying for things that you didn't even realize you're still pay- paying yeah. for so for me it's just that streamlined capability and and less about the fact that it's just apple but when i have it you are all invited over and we'll watch i don't know indiana jones <laughs> <laughs> but so would you would you stop your netflix and hulu subscriptions for apple Apple's streaming service? No, because I think that Hulu's going to plug and play with it. Netflix says it won't, and obviously we will still continue to pay play, pay for Netflix, mm-hmm. and we will just have the same experience with Netflix that we'll have now. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that it would just be another app on the television that we would just then port into. But, um, you know, the way it, I'm, I'm reading it, and of course we don't know anything, is that a lot of these other players will plug and play within Apple TV. It won't just be their content, but you'll mm-hmm. be able to access the Hulu content and the Showtime content or whatever other partners that uh, team up with them. You know, Disney's doing their own streaming service. um, So that's actually a a big blow for Netflix because a lot of their Marvel programming is now gone. Um, So I'm sure, you know, Disney and Apple tend to have a really good relationship. So that'll start showing up in there as well. And there's a new Disney Mandalorian live television series. Do you think Disney is still going to be doing their own streaming service now that they have 60% of Hulu? Yes. Yes. I, I, so they're, I think they're going to do what they did with Netflix. They're going to start stripping uh, – I think they're going to start stripping things out of Hulu, and they want to funnel people into their their main branded O&O channel. Like, they want people to be in the Disney platform because then not only are you getting people who want to watch the Marvels or the, the um, you know – like the Fox series within the app, but then you can turn them on to other um, other shows that you've got within your platform, get them involved in other franchises if they weren't. Like, is there anyone in the world who's not into Star Wars? But if you are, I'm sorry. Um, and then, of course, you just start marketing to them. Why don't you come visit Star Wars Land? Mm-hmm. Why don't you come visit Marvel? Why don't you do a run Disney race? Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? So, yeah. I'm very involved in Disney's marketing, so if you'd like to have a conversation offline, at Morgan Geeks Out on Twitter. 
Hope, do you know who has never watched uh, Star Wars? You. No, I've watched many oh. Star Wars many, many times. Then who? Uh, Joel. Joel Hammond <laughs> has oh. never watched Star Wars. <laughs> you had the disdain with which I said that. Oh. The, the very same Joel Hammond that is probably poolside drinking a sex on the beach right now oh. in Las mm, Vegas, he's Nevada. He's drinking a lot of different things. Yeah. Mike's hard. Yeah, he, Just I mean, he, he is an undercover... Cocktailer, um, if I've ever seen one. So Chocolate I hope he's pie. having a fun time out in Vegas, and Chocolate hopefully, pie. hopefully Jeff is finding some time to spend with his sick children, um, and you know watching basketball on the side. And I will leave all of you with an equation, since this has been a very bookish episode, talking about swallowing the fish and everything, <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, access is greater than ownership. We live in the age of access right now. So when you start thinking, oh, that's too many subscriptions, you know what? People don't want to own stuff anymore. They just want access to it. And if the, the content is good enough and somebody's willing to pay $1 billion for the content, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Apple spent a billion dollars to get people like Reese Witherspoon and Oprah Winfrey and you name it to, to produce content. I'm really interested to see what they come out with. And um, more than anything, it's it's just a continuation of a trend that we've we've been on top of and we'll continue to talk about. So Was hope. that actually an equation? Yeah, it is. Greater <laughs> than. Well well tweet at us, folks. <laughs> isn't greater than less than is is a math concept, isn't it? Math but is it an equation? Oh jeez. <laughs> Anyways, ownership is dead. Ownership is dead. (laughs) Ownership is dead. Have a good weekend. Yeah. (laughs) And while you're at it, get yourself a... um, Chocolate pie. A Nutella. (laughs) Which... Boom. (laughs) Results are on the Twitter. (laughs) Results are on the Twitter. And you can find us at the A-Game. Podcast. Podcast on Twitter. And if you're an old school listener, you could also follow the AdCom group any way you choose to, and please click to subscribe and rate the program so all your friends can find out just what we're talking about on a weekly basis. Next week, we'll talk brackets. Until then, we'll see you later. Later.